Welcome to the Out of the Bubble podcast. My name's Rachel Carew. Join me as I share a weekly dose of midlife inspiration, where you get to hear from amazing women who are embracing life and leaving a trail of inspiration along the way. Breaking down the midlife stereotypical barriers and proving it's never too late to find new passion and purpose. And to step out of your bubble. So what's stopping you? Well, welcome back to another episode of Out of the Bubble podcast. I hope you've all had a really nice Easter break. I've definitely enjoyed having a break for a couple of weeks, but it's good to be back. And today I am joined by Stephanie Raflock, who is the author of the best-selling book, The Delightful Little Book on Aging. And Stephanie is the perfect woman to really kind of show us how there is so much life ahead of us in our 50s, 60s, 70s. Um, she's now an award-winning author and it's something that she didn't come to till later in life and she shares her thoughts on aging and how we need to be embracing it and really kind of knocking down those stereotypical barriers so I'm really looking forward to her insights today so grab a coffee and enjoy. So welcome Stephanie it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thank you I've been looking forward to this. You know, I've, I've listened to your book on Audible. I've been telling our guests about um, the work that you do. But to get to know a little bit more about you, how would you describe yourself in three words and why? Oh, gosh. You know, you sent me this thing about three words, and I really had to think about it. You know, it's like I think we're so eager to talk about ourselves. And then when someone asks a question like that, I feel this sort of deer in the headlights moment. Um, I say I wrote down curious would describe me. I, I like to wake up in the morning and think, what am I going to learn today? I love being a student of life. Grateful, because I think that gratitude um, cures a lot of what ails us. If we can get clear about what we really have in our lives and how it is more than enough and how lucky we are, that's so easy to see right now when we see a portion of the world um, engaged in a horrible, horrific conflict. Um, and witness. I like the idea of bearing witness to the human condition. Another word for that might be observer. I am an observer of life, and it brings me great joy to see how, how people tick, how people work, how people are different, and yet we're all the same. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. I just want, uh, it's something new that I've started to do, and I think it does make you think about how you how you tick and, and it gives us insight in, into a little bit more about you. So thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate it. And you know, before we really get delved into the into the book, because I've got lots of things to talk about, how did you actually start the writing process? Because you came to this later in life, which is which yes. is fabulous today. And I think that's the whole point of the podcast from, from my point of view is to show other women that it's never too late to follow your dreams and you can achieve so much later in life. But what was the kind of key inspiration that sent you down this path? Well, I had to get a sense of confidence about the fact that I had some writing talent. And for so many years in my younger life, I held it as writers were out there somewhere. And I wasn't part of that group. I didn't belong to that group or fit in. I couldn't possibly. I didn't have the same educational background or, or talent or whatnot. Something shifted for me in my 50s where confidence began to seep into my life in a way that it hadn't before. There's something about the magic of menopause. I know that hormones can be a drag, 
But I also know that hormones kind of light up different parts of our brain that maybe haven't worked right in a while. And so when my brain started working right during menopause, I started thinking, I could do this. I, I have a degree in writing and poetics. I could really do this. And step by step, little by little, I started with a blog and then I started teaching incarcerated women. I went to a small Buddhist-inspired cottage, college, excuse me, in Colorado. And part of my training was that you become good at what you do by giving away your talent, skills, and abilities to someone that might not otherwise have the chance to study what your line of study is. So I began to teach creative writing in jails and to mm -hmm. incarcerated women and to incarcerated men. And they were a great, great part of my education. I did that for about three and a half years. Um, and it gave me the rest of the confidence that I needed that, you know, I really was blessed. Don't waste your talent. Go for it. And yes, I was a little older than when I started, but so what? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I love that. I love that you did that. That must have been so rewarding. It was rewarding and it was eye-opening too. I, I got to see how institutionalized um, a human being can become when they've been in the system for such a long time and how hope eludes them. But I did have these great moments every week where I wrote with women and got to um, experience their, their feeling tone, their sense of joy, their sense of sorrow, their sense of regret, their sense of celebration. And some of these women were working really, really hard to try and turn their lives around. Mm. And that was inspiring to me. I, I th feel like I got more out of it than they did, quite honestly. But I think yeah. that's always the case when you're giving something away like that. Yeah, absolutely. And if you don't mind me asking, how old were you when you actually did get the book out there and published? Um, my first book was published when I was, let's see, 68. I love that. That's just yeah. brilliant. And that, one of the things that I've noticed on my podcast is I've been very concentrated on women in their 40s and 50s and then yeah. I've missed out on so many opportunities like this talking to yourself where I can learn from you because you're ahead of us and you are you're paving the way and showing women that there's so much more to life out there and to enjoy the whole process of aging and not to be scared of it and I think these conversations are really important aren't they I would agree you know I'm I'm out to change the narrative I turned 70 on April 1st and you know it wasn't so bad. Yeah. It was both terrifying and exhilarating. So, you know, two things can be true at the same time. Yeah. And I mean, the inspiration behind the delightful little book of, of aging, did you know exactly what it, what it was going to look like when you started writing it or has it kind of evolved as you started writing? It, it definitely evolved. I, I sort of tripped over the idea. I was writing um, a weekly piece for a blog called 60 and Me. And I began to get a lot of engagement from readers. And I realized there were a lot of women out there who felt the way that I did it, which was, I'm not done yet. I still have things I want to do. I still have dreams and aspirations. And I don't want to be seen as someone that's of a feeble, decrepit old woman, which is, those are words that we use with um, the word aging or old. And they're just not necessarily true. They're really kind of part of a toxic mythology. Yeah, and I think, you know, when we started writing the book, you, 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 you do give a sense of hope 
about aging and showing it what's possible but you also keep it very real I mean let's talk about the grieving process that, that you <laughs> that you feel that women have to go through as they're aging yeah. that's a very real thing to have to go through yes. to get to that next stage isn't it well yes and thing we avoid um I understand why nobody wants to subject themselves to pain and yet if we don't meet grief head on um, it dogs us. It it tears at us and, and stays with us in ways that aren't good. It pulls us down. The thing about the emotion of grief is that grief is the great liberating force in life. It is the, you know, next to love, it is the greatest transformative force in life. And so in aging, aging begins in grief because we shed an old identity, like a, like a snake slowly shedding the skin. And what's revealed when the snake sheds the skin, there's this soft, porous, um, new skin that lets in light, that lets in something new. Nonetheless, identity is just tough to give up. So we resist it, we push back against it when we should be um, surrendering ourselves to the grief so that we can move on. Surrendering to it is what allows us to move on. And what we fail to recognize sometimes is that suffering really is part of the cure. Hmm. Yeah, and it really did make me think about the whole process of grieving and how, as a woman, we go through many different stages of it. You know, I know yes. when, when my children were young, as they, as they started school, I went through that whole grieving process of they're not going to be at home with me all the time, they're growing up quickly the empty nest once they're older and they leave home if you've got kids you go through that grieving process and we all accept that but then when it seems so much harder to accept the aging process and like that's that's the thing that I think we struggle with the most isn't it accepting the aging process yes and we do need to accept it in order to thrive in it mm. I, I read some little article about a study that was done recently that people who have a positive attitude about aging live seven and a half to eight years longer than people who don't have a good attitude about aging. So good attitude, I mean, we know this from other parts of life, good attitude will carry you a long way. Yeah. And um, do you think there's, have you seen a difference in the last kind of five, 10 years of attitudes in society towards particularly older women? I know it's slightly, is it slightly different in the States than it is to the UK? I wonder about aging, the attitudes. I, you know, I, I don't know about the difference between the two countries, but I do know there has been a movement toward, you know, especially in midlife women hmm. to say, look, if, you're, if your target audience is a 20-year-old to 45-year-old, what do you think happens at 46? What, we stop exercising? We stop living? We stop, you know, life? Um, so I think that there's a voice out there that's changing, a narrative that's changing. At the same time, um, aging and ageist stereotypes and ageist comments um, are still alive and well. You see it in, in our president with President Biden. There's this kind of, you know, story about, well, you know, he's got dementia or he's on the verge of Alzheimer's. And it's like, well, no, nobody talks off the cuff like that in complete sentences that is on the verge of Alzheimer's or dementia. And yes, he speaks slower. Sometimes older people do speak slower, but that doesn't necessarily mean that their mental faculties have slowed down. Yeah. You know, it would do, we would all do well to be more thoughtful before we spoke. So you see that aging in this country is still the last bastion where the political correctness of 
age being the butt of the joke is still okay. And um, for me, it's not okay. <laughs> no, me too. And I think we still, I think you're right. And I think it's the same in the UK. We still have a long way to go. I know from my point of view in the fashion industry, there's lots of tokenism, but there's no, no real shift in it being mainstream and that, that we're accepted right. as older models. I think there's still a long way to go in, in lots of different areas around the world with older, the older, particularly for older women. I think, yes, I think it's challenging. You know, I wrote a letter to Athleta about five years ago and I said, you know, you guys started as a company when I was in my thirties and I've bought your stuff for years. And suddenly I don't see my type of woman in your ad anymore. And I didn't stop exercising. Yeah. I didn't stop wearing cute leggings, you know, to go do yoga class or Pilates, but somehow I'm no longer at, you know, I don't no longer have a seat at the table mm. and there's something that's not right about that. So but yeah, did you get a reply? I, um, no, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> Although I will tell you, there's a woman here in the States named Stephanie O'Dell that has a modeling agency called Celebrate the Gray. And she was a stylist for Athleta for a long time. And she is helping to change that attitude about like, you know, let's, let's lengthen the table here yeah. instead of compartmentalizing that, you know, the good age is between 20 and 45. Let's just lengthen the table. Yeah, so. I love that. I'm going to look her up after this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and talking of, you know, you, you, you moved us on nicely to, to the parts of your book that you're talking about, that kind of finding joy through movement. And that's not something that we have to stop doing at any age. We can oh. continue to, to find joy in movement and exercise. And I know you're a big fan of walking, aren't you? I'm a huge fan of walking because it really is something that you can do your whole life. Mm. Um, what happens in, in age is that I think that the impact sports – like tennis and running begin to fade away from us because, you know, this degeneration is such, you just can't, your body can't take the same pounding, but that doesn't preclude um, hiking or walking. And I, what I love about hiking is that the terrain is always a little bit different. So it really helps your balance. It, it works your core without you thinking that you're working your core. So yes, I'm, I'm a walker. I walk every day. I have a dog. Dogs are the best trainers in the world. Yeah. Yeah, sadly, we've just lost our dog and I, I'm oh. missing the walks already It's because uh, yeah. they are the thing that gets you out and, and gets you walking miles, which is just brilliant. Have you, because you said at the beginning, you've got this curious mind and, and you like to do new things. So have you started doing new activities that maybe you always did when you were younger, but you let them go and now you're revisiting them? Well, I think I've really revisited creativity mm. in a big way. Um, during COVID, there was a lot of creativity going on around me when everything shut down here, the kids in the neighborhood got colored chalk. It was springtime and they started drawing messages of hope on the sidewalk. You know, they would do hopscotch and it would say hop here for hope oh. and, um, keep the faith. And they would draw a rainbow and they would write love. And there was a lot of rock painting going on in my neighborhood. So I have now taken up rock painting. I am no artist, but there's something so meditative and um, satisfying about painting a rock and putting it in a garden bed somewhere. So yeah. I, I think that creativity really rules the day in that regard, that we return to a kind of that wild child, the child that would go into the forest barefoot. I would never think of doing that this, mm -hmm. in this day and age. But that, the tone of her, the feeling tone of her, I remember you know, let's go explore. Let's go have an adventure. Let's try something new. Let's make mud pies. 
let's so, paint rocks. So really, I guess, you know, in a way you're saying that once you get past in your 50s and 60s and beyond, then you've got that freedom back, I guess, to explore those different parts of your personality that have maybe been hidden for such a long time. Yes. You know, my husband took up the bass again. He stopped playing, playing bass, I think it was about 37 years ago. But he picked it up again in the last few years. And because of the magic of the internet, he can play bass with any band in the world, you know, and get chord charts and things online. And it's something that he does after dinner every night. And he absolutely loves it. And I think it helps his mind stay young. Yeah, I know. I know I feel more like my 16-year-old self than, than I have yeah. been in a long time. There's parts of me that I'm revisiting. I've started acting again. And I haven't done that since I was 18. Oh. And, and I can see that the more I do it, the more I want to step out of my comfort zone and try new things and revisit those right. parts. So it's exciting, isn't it? It is exciting, yes. So how did you feel when you, when you got to 50? It, could you, was that, was that a, a, a moment, like a marker that really kind of set you on this journey or has it been a, a staggered change? I think it was about 10 years behind or maybe 10 years ahead. 50, it seemed like a piece of cake. That seemed mm. like a walk in the park because I didn't really feel any different. And I've always, I've had the blessing of always being able to be active. Mm. Um, some things were changing. I wasn't playing tennis anymore. I wasn't running anymore, but I was certainly walking and hiking and I was still cross-country skiing and doing Pilates and whatnot. But at 60, a girlfriend remarked to me just before my 60th birthday, she said, well, this is the threshold of old age. And I was like, really? <laughs> and it stayed with me, you know, and the question stayed with me. Well, what is old age? What is this threshold of old age? So for me, it was really 60. And I started writing at that time for 60 and me. And I was also writing for a local newspaper. And I was writing lifestyle pieces for the Rogue Valley Messenger. And I could just see that life was changing, but I wasn't quite sure how. Now, 60 is a greater decline from 50 to 60 or from 60 to 70 was a greater decline than ever before in my life. And I've had to deal with that. And there has been some grief in there. But I still wonder about, I think we get old when we sort of give up on ourselves. I think that's what old age is. I don't think it's really the number that you're 60 or 70 or 80, because I don't think anyone would call, well, you know, Madeline Albright was really old or. Ruth Bader Ginsburg was really old. I mean, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was one of the great American minds. Yeah. And so I think old age is when you really feel the time that you're going to pull back and recede from life that, you know, through illness or um, incapacitation in some way, that that's when we get old. But it's not, it's not a number. And we've got to get away from looking at that. It's like, oh, 70 is old. Oh, 80 is old. I mean, I, I know a woman who's 85 who writes cozy mysteries. Mm -hmm. And she's still writing every day. She gets up and writes. She has purpose in her life. Yeah. And, and I love that. It inspires me. Do you think that is that, that word there, purpose? Do you think that is one of the key things as well, that, that if you wake up in the morning and you feel like you've got a purpose, that that really does help forget about the number? Yeah, and I think it does help. And, and, and purpose doesn't necessarily have to be like, I want to do X, Y, and Z. I think that curiosity is a purpose. I think mm. that gratitude is a purpose. And excuse me, I'm going to reach down and take this toy away from my dog, who I'm afraid <laughs> is, as he's chewing it, is coming oh. across to me. One second. He's a chewer, so we give him these toys to chew on, and they're hard, and I can hear him crunching through my headset. So I... <laughs> 
apologies, listeners. <laughs> so yeah, talking about um, how this kind of whole attitude later in life, and, and one of the things that I, that I really got out of the book was that you've got not to take yourself too seriously. You've got to have fun and and, and do the things that make you happy. And right. how do you how do you encourage people to? If because quite often people have had hard periods of life in the forties and fifties, and finding that joy again, finding the things that sparks and ignites them, you know, it's sometimes they lose it. How do you get that back? Well, I think there's a couple ways to start. I think movement is a lot of it. I think that you know things like grief and hard times can get stuck in mm. our bodies. So I'm a big believer in dancing. When my husband and I dance, we still look like we're 14 years old and in junior high school. You know, we kind of hang on to each other and dance around in a circle. But when I dance by myself or he dances by himself, we, it's just all kind of free form. It's moving to the music. And there's something joyful about moving to the music. And you don't have to look good and no one has to see you. And there's something wonderful about dancing barefoot in your living room, you know, to old Motown, yeah. <laughs> which is always my choice. Old Motown is the best music as far as I'm concerned. So I think dancing helps. I think that um, journaling is the great friend of women who carry so much emotion in this world that if you can get into a um, daily ritual of journaling, you know, three pages a day is what Julia Cameron in The Artist's Way says. And there's lots of books out there that talk about how to get started in that, whether it's Natalie Goldberg or Julia Cameron. Um, so I think writing and dancing. And then I think, you know, the new things that you want to try. Go get some rocks and paint them. Go take a watercolor class. Go find out what Pilates is all about. Um, I took up kayaking when we moved here to Austin because I live very close to Lake Austin. Mm -hmm. And um, you don't have to be particularly athletic to do it, but it's wonderful to float down, you know, the river across the, the lake and um, see the wildlife and just appreciate being out in nature and you know, race your girlfriends back to the shoreline. Do you think fear holds people back sometimes for trying new things and, and fear of failure and fear of, of kind of stepping into the unknown? Well, I, you know, failure is the big thing, right? You know, we're also concerned with winning and losing, failure and success. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of success is built on the back of failure. You try something once and you do it really poorly and then you try it again and maybe you're a little bit better at it. So you didn't have a really smooth run with your publishing, did you? It took you a while to get there. How did that whole process feel when you were writing and getting rejected? Well, you know, rejection never feels good. Um, I had an agent um, pretty early on for uh, a nonfiction piece that I was working on for a novel. And I got turned down by 35 publishers. And what was really frustrating to me was that they all had really nice things to say about my writing talents and abilities. And it's like, well, if you think I'm talented, why aren't you signing me? And so, yes, it was rejection. And that's the baptism by fire. And, you know, we, we go through life, events happen, and it's always, it's a baptism by fire or it's a baptism by water and just accept it at that. It's part of the human mythology. So it doesn't mean that it's the end of what you want to do. And actually, a delightful little book on aging was written in response to being turned down by 35 publishers and then let go by my agent because I said, 
oh, geez, at this point, all I want to do is just write a delightful little book about aging. And I was working with a coach who said, oh, that's a great idea. So that's where the title came from, A Delightful Little Book on Aging. And it was written in response to something. So there was success built on the back of that failure. And plus now I feel initiated. I've gotten rejected a bunch of times more and it doesn't hurt nearly as bad. And is this something that you want to continue with the writing? Do you have a, a whole string of books inside you? I don't know if I have a string of books inside of me, but I, I always seem to have a creative idea. Um, I have a book that will be out this summer that will be my first editorial credit. Um, when Ukraine happened, I went to my publisher and I said, can we do an anthology from the women in this company um, about stories of love and loss and hope? And then can we take that and give the benefits of the book, the royalties to the Ukraine? And we, we chose a, a um, charity called Central Kitchens, World Central Kitchen. Hmm. Um, a chef that has this amazing logistical setup. He's been in Haiti after the storms and the earthquake. He's been after Katrina. He was here. And now he is on the Polish-Ukraine border. And he give, he feeds people. Yeah. And so he's got this wonderful logistical setup of like trucks and people that do packaging and volunteers that do cooking. And there's something about being a woman that when people are upset, what I want to do for them is I want to feed them. Yeah. I think that's just a woman thing. So um, that book will be out this summer. And like I said, that's a first editorial credit. I'm learning as I go what it means to curate pieces for a book like that Mm. and put it together. Um, Will there be a book after that? There will be in spring of 2024, which is about belonging and how it's just such a, um, a human quality to want to belong, which is so much different than fitting in. We spend most of our life trying to fit in yeah. instead of looking for where it is we really belong. Yeah. So I'm going to keep going for an, now. Do you get an opportunity to talk to, to younger women, you know, like the, like the women in their 20s and 30s? Because I think it's really important to take this kind of stigma of, of ageing that society yeah. seems to have, have kind of taken on. And it's that intergenerational conversations that are going to make that shift, isn't it, to get rid of that? Well, You know, I love having conversations with younger women. In fact, talk about trying something new. I have never written um, anything for the screen, either television or film. And I met this young woman at a um, conference called Her Spirit, the Her Spirit Retreat. Um, Her name is Alexandra Ingelson. She's a beautiful young woman. She's a huge, huge talent. And I went to her sort of in deference and pitched her this idea for a story about mothers and daughters. And what I really wanted was I wanted the two generations represented for the kinds of conversations that I feel aren't happening out there because we're so divided right now. You know, you either fall on this side of things or you fall on that side of things. And yet I know in families that these conversations must be happening because that's how change comes about. So I'm going to start working with her very soon on, uh, I'm going to try my hand at something new and um, I will be her student for a time and, and hopefully also be a light to her life. But I, I love the idea of working with younger women because that's who we pass the torch to, right? Yeah, when we pass the torch. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we just get rid of that fear of aging and we show, show them what's possible and that you can live a really an amazing life in your forties, fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties, and it's not over at 40, which society has kind of led us all to believe, isn't it? Yes. 
how do we how do we change that? What what changes would you like to see around the world about about the attitudes to to, to aging? I have some key heard, things that you'd love to see happen quickly. Well, I'm going to bring up dance again. I Ooh. have heard that there are places in Europe where women dance the tango into their 90s. And I think that we should all learn to dance the tango and keep that juicy, sexy, moving thing alive in us. Yeah. Whether you're dancing with your husband or you're dancing with another woman, it doesn't matter. But just that kind of movement, I think that's one of the things that will, will change. I would really like to see advertising be accountable yeah. for the um, toxic stereotype of aging that they've created. And I would like to see people, you know, like yourself, like myself, you know, talk more about this is not, this is not some kind of sentence or punishment. Mm -hmm. Aging is a remarkable and noble passage. Yeah. It's especially remarkable for a woman who gives so much of her life to the motherhood years and the things that come with the motherhood years. So um, I just want to see the conversation expand. Yeah, I think it is starting to. I think conversations yep. like this have created that ripple effect, don't they? Yes, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> and you talk a lot about um, support, women supporting each other in the book as well, which I think I, I'm a firm believer on. Do you think that's, that message is getting across now that women need to stop judging each other and really need to get on board with each other and support each other as a network? I I hope it's coming across and I don't know. I'm no longer going to an office. So I no longer work for a company mm -hmm. where I see women interacting. And I have heard from other women younger than myself that there is a fierce competition with um, women in the workplace. And I think that then it, it is up to us to hold a light to say, that's not the way you make change in the world. It isn't about me and my success and my achievement and my goals. You know, it has to be about all of us. There has to be collective. This kind of um, stingy, greedy hoarding of successes, you know, is there enough to go around? I mean, we see it in politics here. We see it in big corporations. And now, you know, women, as they have gained equal footing with men in the workplace, um, they are experiencing it too. Hopefully it's just a phase yeah. <laughs> that you're going through because- I don't think there is anything more empowering than lifting up another woman in some way, telling her that you believe in her talent, you believe in her ability, that you know that she has a kind and loving heart. It takes seconds to let someone know that, and it can make a lifetime of difference. Absolutely. I mean, that's just perfect way to, 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 to end the conversation because your book's all about that as well. It's about showing other women that you know they can live and really embrace aging and what's the alternative you know we're so lucky to be alive and to be to be blessed with this opportunity for for next decades of, of reinvention and uh, growth you know it doesn't stop does it no and i don't think it ever stops well, thank god yes yeah thank you so much stephanie it's been a pleasure and i really really enjoyed the book and, I, and it really gave me lots of food for thought about about things that I would like to to continue to learn to grow and learn from. So really enjoyed it. Thank you. My last Thank question that much. I ask all my guests, because I really try to encourage other women to be more complimentary about themselves, because I think quite a lot of women feel like they can't speak positively about themselves because they're not used to doing it. So if you were to pay yourself a compliment, what would it be? Um, she made aging look really good. 
Fabulous. You are doing absolutely great role model. <laughs> How can people find out about you, Stephanie? How can they come and find you? You can go to byline-stephanie.com and you can um, look at my podcasts. You can hear about my books. There's links to my books. They're available on Audible. They're also available in softcover and hardcover. And um, my blog is there and how to reach me. It's all there, byline-stephanie.com. Fabulous. I'll put all the links um, on, on the show notes afterwards so uh, people can come and find you and come and look at the book and read it and uh, or download it on Audible, which I really enjoyed listening to your voice talking. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of your day and thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure talking to you. You as well. Thank you. Well, what a great pro-Asian conversation with Stephanie. I really enjoyed talking to her and would definitely recommend her book. I'll share the notes with you so you can download it later. But, you know, lots of conversations in there about how we can really embrace the Asian process. And it's not something to be scared of. A society it often leads us to believe, particularly for women. And if you can embrace it and see that there are so many other people out there that are getting on with their lives and doing fantastic things, well into the 60s, 70s, 80s and beyond now. So uh, I really think she's a great role model and I loved talking to her. Let me know what you're all up to. If you've um, started something new later in life, I would love to hear from you. Perhaps you have a burning desire to try something and you're too scared to step out of your bubble. How can we help you? I hope sharing these inspiring stories will give you the impetus to kind of take that one step forward at a time. So I will be back next week with some more inspiration for you. Don't forget the Out of the Bubble Retreat. That's happening in June. There's still a few places left. It's happening in North Yorkshire. It's two days on the 15th and 16th of June. It's happening at the Acorn Wellness Retreat um, just outside Harrogate. It's the most beautiful, calm place to have a retreat. I'm so excited about it. And it will be two days for you to step literally out of your own bubble. If you are somebody that is feeling a bit lost in midlife, who would like to step away from everything else that's going on in life and just have two days to to calm themselves, to ground themselves and to really have some space to think about what they want in this next chapter, then this is the retreat for you. You will have Pilates, mindfulness coaching sessions, we'll be having motivational speakers that can really help you find your, you know, your passion and what you want to do and how you want to be seen in the world in this next chapter of life. You will also be, have the opportunity to watch a beautiful film called Be Brave, the example, perfect example of somebody, Joe Mosley, started paddleboarding later in life in her 50s, has now gone on to some incredible adventures, being the oldest woman to paddleboard the north from Gould to Leeds. And she made a beautiful film that is both heartwarming and really super inspiring. We'll also be doing wild swimming and we'll have a wild swimming expert coming to help us with our breathing and how we can learn, learn to kind of step out of our comfort zones and try something new. And well, also, I would not be leaving you without some body confidence tips from me. So fabulous retreat, two days, and that's happening on the 15th and 16th of June. And uh, that will be at the Acorn Wellness Retreat in North Yorkshire near Harrogate. So if you'd like more information, please visit my website, rachelperu.co.uk. Can't speak today. rachelperu.co.uk. And all the event information is on there and I would love to see you. There's going to be an amazing small group of women and we're going to get so much out of it. I will be back next week. So in the meantime, keep being fabulous. Thank you for listening to the Out of the Bubble podcast. I hope it's left you feeling inspired. If it has, why not come and join a fabulous group of women in my free Step Out of the Bubble Facebook group? 
where you can get to connect with other women all at different stages of their own midlife journey, supporting and inspiring one another. You can also come and say hello on Instagram at Rachel Peru Ron. I'd love to know how you intend or how you are already stepping out of your bubble in 2022. If you're loving the podcast, please don't forget to subscribe, rate and review. Your support is much appreciated. I'll be back next week with some more inspiration, but in the meantime, keep being fabulous.